in Seattle, Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsetDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? And welcome to episode 686 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, it's kind of interesting because people are beginning to think that, hey... This might be a good time in 2024 to buy a house. New survey out. What do the interest rates have to be in order for buyers to jump in? And if you jump in earlier, does that give you a competitive advantage? We'll talk about that. Also, sold in 42 hours. Yeah, our house of the week. We just had up in Edmonds, Washington. Sold in 42 hours. We're going to tell you a little bit about that story. And then our real estate-only podcast that we do every Friday, uh, we'll tell you more about that deal. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Paul McCartney back in the news every time I see him. He looks better. I can't believe he's in his 80s now. It just blows me away. And not only is he not filling casinos, he fills arenas and stadiums to this day around the world. And if you've listened to some of his new music, yeah, he just gets better and better. Hard to believe, though, that 50 years ago, Ronnie, he lost something that was very important to him. And then a bunch of Internet sleuths got together and they figured out uh, were Paul McCartney's long lost basis, right? Yeah, it's a remarkable story. And if you're a, a Beatles fan at all, you'll know that Paul didn't want to play bass. Uh, when they got in the guitar, when they got together, him and John were uh, mates together when I think Paul was 15. John might have been 16 or 17. And there was a year there where John had already gone away to, you know, it wasn't college, but post high school thing. And so, and Paul, they both played guitar. So they would go out to uh, meet at Paul's dad's house, or they would go to Strawberry Fields is one of the places they used to meet. It's an actual park uh, by in there in Liverpool. And they both played guitar. And so that was kind of the cool thing. Then they met... George and George also played guitar and they met their drummer, their original drummer, Pete Best. And so they looked around Pete the best should have played guitar, right? They, they looked around the <laughs> band and they're like, Hey, somebody here has to play bass. Yeah. We can't have three guitars and a drummer. And so they handed Paul a Hofner bass, which at the time cost 30 pounds, uh, which, you know, $40. And it was a very unique looking bass. So what, what Hofner had done is they wanted this to look kind of like a cello, a little baby cello. And so they put those kind of F cutout, the F hole cutouts on a base, which nobody else did. Like I, I still, Hofner's still in existence and you can still see the bay. Like you can go to a guitar center and some, some of them will have a Hofner. There's, there's to my knowledge, never been a major brand that ever did that design other than Hofner. And so Paul got a Hofner base 
he put a specific type of string on it, a flat wound string to, to give him that Paul McCartney sound. And then he wasn't a bass player. So he started playing it like a guitar. And so if you listen to a, and he was very influenced by Motown and James Jamerson and some guys that were playing in Detroit. And he's like, I want to, I want to sound like Motown. I want to sound like a black bass player from Detroit. And so he would study that music and play it like a guitar. So there's like a lot of stuff that doesn't work on bass. Like the traditional bass players in the 60s were not playing like Paul McCartney at all. And he just was like, hey, this is what I think sounds good. And so he would play really high up on the neck. He would play melodies on the bass. And a lot of times he wasn't playing the bass notes at all. He was just sort of doing his own thing. And doing that, he became very influential as a bass player. So they were out gigging, and this was a recognizable bass, but he put it in the case. They had it in the van. And a couple of kids, they think it were kids, teenagers, saw the gear in the van. They broke into the van, stole the gear. I don't think they even knew that it was it was Beetle gear. They just stole this gear, and legend has it, as these guys have now sluiced, they took it to a local pub and sold this base for three pounds. And so probably just wanted beer money or whatever. You know, they're out partying uh, after, you know, running around England. And so the base goes disappeared. And so... Some people got together um, and they decided they were going to launch this online kind of a true crime podcast, but it was finding Paul McCartney's base. And so they started doing podcasts and they got some pretty high profile people uh, to chime in on this, made this thing online. So it started gaining some momentum, especially in England. And just in the past week, someone came forward and said, I think I have Paul McCartney's base. It's been in this attic for almost 50 years. And so they brought the base down uh, and they made it clear. It's like, hey, we're, we don't want you to get arrested. We're not going to press charges on the th thievery or anything. We just want to get Paul his base back. Uh, and they turned this base in. Uh, some, some historians validated that this is Paul McCartney's base. They did a couple repairs on it to make it playable again. They're now valuing the base at they've looked at Jerry Garcia's guitar that sold at auction. Eric Clapton had a guitar that sold at auction and Kurt Cobain's Jagstang sold at auction. So they're saying this has to be worth more than Kurt Cobain's guitar. So Kurt Cobain, I believe his Jagstang sold at auction for $6.2 million. Clapton's had a couple and, and David Gilmore had a couple guitars. David Gilmore sold what he called Blackie, that famous Pink Floyd guitar uh, that sold for millions. So they're saying, that they conservatively they think that this Paul McCartney base restored to a playable condition and now reunited with Paul is somewhere north of nine million dollars if they were uh, to auction this off. Paul McCartney, who has is a billionaire, I don't, I don't think he wants to auction it off. I think it really brings back the nostalgia of 50 years ago. Of course, Hoffner went on to have him be an endorsement. E. Vox Guitars picked up uh, George Harrison and said, hey, will you endorse Vox? And so everybody got an endorsement deal in the Beatles, obviously. Uh, Paul, uh, John, I think, endorsed this 12-string Fender for a while because they saw Fender saw him playing. And it was like, hey, you want to endorse Fender? Like immediately, whatever they played, uh, the people, you know, the drums. I think he has a Gretsch. 
I think he had a Gretsch uh, thing. Gretsch also sponsored a couple of the guys. So whatever instrument they picked up and were playing live, like the companies immediately yeah. uh, flocked to them. Do you think these sluice are, because without them, I don't think they would have found the base. And, and again, they found it in a gentleman's attic. It, I understand it's back in control of Paul McCartney. And it'll be interesting to see if he plays this bass again. I, it, it, it's in a condition, if you shared, that that's not playable, but... But they can make it playable. They can they can restore this bass. So it'd be fun to see him play. He has another one though. That's oh, a carbon probably co- has twenty or thirty of these carbon copy yeah. of that. But it would be interesting to see him play this bass. Do you think now that they know how much money this bass is worth, do you think they regret it, and are they owed any money for finding the, finding the bass and, and returning it to them? Well, this I think is also the the catch twenty two that you're in with stolen art, and uh, we've seen a lot of this go around. You, there's no market for it. Yeah. There's a market for it when Paul McCartney has it. If you just show up and say, this is Paul McCartney's base, the very next question is, where did you get it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was in an attic. Whose attic? And how did you acquire it? So this was stolen property. It's been yeah. known to be stolen. So same thing as if you showed up with a quote-unquote priceless artifact uh, in a museum or a, a painting, it's only, unless you're going to traffic in the black market, it's not worth open market prices because everybody knows it was stolen. And so that that I think is what they had to look at. It's like, hey, we probably could be, prosecuted for this we're trafficking in stolen property what's our other option yeah uh you know the, there's an active search out for this right now you can't just walk in to any store i mean you can walk into a store and get 150 dollars for it because it's a broken hoffner base uh, maybe a thousand dollars tops but if you go hey this is paul mccartney's base now you're in trouble what, what was your first guitar my first guitar was a uh, an applause, I believe. Yeah, you had an ovation. Uh, I had no idea what what was a guitar. Like I had no knowledge of applause is a copy of an ovation. An ovation is a round back guitar that's made of fiberglass on the back that was made popular by Glenn Campbell, I believe. Glenn Campbell, yeah. Glenn Campbell that's all he got this. Uh, and so you had one of those. And I was like, oh, that's, I guess that's a cool guitar. So I went. I couldn't afford that guitar so the 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 entry model was called a, an applause so i think my very first car was an applause i probably owned 50 to 100 guitars in my life i'd imagine at this yeah point. i still have that ovation i got it when i was 16 my guitar before that though was a hondo and i got that i think when i was probably probably like 10 and then my brother and i got in a fight one time and he he's he, he hit me with the guitar Snap the neck. That sounds about right for your brother. I ended up gluing it uh, back together, and I played it, but the strings were way off the fretboard. Way off the fretboard. I've, I've tried that before. Yeah. Not that fun. Yeah. So so anyway, later on in life, uh, someone broke into my house. They stole my skis. They stole the shotgun that I had, because you live in New Mexico, you got to have a shotgun. I had a 30-odd six at the time. Uh, these were just hand-me-downs from my, uh, from my grandfather, and then I had... I had the Hondo guitar. So none of those items have ever resurfaced. I wonder if the Hondo guitar resurfaced today, what my Hondo guitar would be worth. It'd be worth in the tens of dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I have to, I'm going to take, take the current guitar that I have out of, out of, 
I've been taking some of my guitars out of storage and my son's playing them. He's playing one of my old amps, which is kind of a thrill for me. He's in the school of rock. I will say whenever they jam they they always have to find a guitar player and get them to convert to a bass. And I told him, don't do that. Don't be the guy that does that. Cause once you convert to bass, Never you're going to have back. a hard time getting back to guitar. And I've noticed since he really understands notes from playing, uh, the trumpet for the last four or five years, and then uh, uh, playing the tuba on top of that, he, he not at the same time. Yeah, he can really. He he really. They they started a new semester at the School of Rock, so he was he was playing a Metallica song for me last night, and and he really picks up those notes uh, pretty quickly, uh, which I have never done. So I've never been a good note player. I just here's a couple chords and a shuffle beat. We'll uh, see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, I got some exciting news. Now through March 2nd, they're having their Founders Day sale at Les Schwab. Who is Les Schwab? Well, you know, they sponsor this show. You know, they do a lot of great things in the community. In fact, uh, this Thanksgiving, we raise a lot of food. And during the holidays, yeah, we raise a lot of toys. thing I love about Les Schwab is he loves the community. He's been doing it. In fact, instilling their family values since 1952 in all our Communities, 70 years, earning your trust. Right now, the Founders Day Sale. It's a thank you to all the customers out there. Get this. You can save up to $150. That's right, $150 when you buy a set of four select tires. And all you got to do when you go in is say that Ron and Don sent you. All right? For that location near you, all you need to do is go to LesSchwab.com. That's LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab, let's say it together. They've been doing the right thing since 1952. Hey, it's Ron here for Ron and Don Real Estate. Love those guys. So listen, I, I was out to lunch yesterday. A friend of mine's like, hey, when, when the, everything crashes, I want to buy a house on the water up on the islands. And I looked at him and I said, Danny... The market is not crashing. He goes, okay, well, when interest rates go back down to 2%, I want to buy that cabin. I said, Danny, this is the, this, the market is stabilized. Interest rates have pretty much stabilized. This is the market we have. So if you've been waiting on the sidelines going, as soon as things crash, as soon as prices comes down, as soon as we get back to the old interest rates, that is not going to happen in 2024. This is the market we have. And if you are ready to make a move, whether you need to sell or whether you want to buy in the Pacific Northwest, in fact, the entire state of Washington, Don and I are your team. So whether you're doing it or your friend or family, refer us to them and let's get a game plan together. We call it a Ron and Don sit down. You can call me directly. You can email me, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Set up that sit down. Let's put a game plan together. This is the market we're in this year. It's stabilizing and it's going to start to heat up. So let's get a game plan together. Ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, we can sit down. In fact, this week, I think we'll be doing sit-downs in the evening. We do sit-downs on the weekend sometimes because people are working all day. Or you're trying to get your kids to school. So we can sit down with you virtually anytime. And then uh, just, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, we were down in Federal Way, right on the water. Beautiful place down there. We did a, 
uh, went from a virtual sit down to let's sit down in person and come up with a strategy. And then we just sent, spent some time out in Kenmore yesterday, I believe, as well. Yeah, so, driving all around all over the place. Yeah. So we sell the sound when you need us. Uh, Ron and Don sit down.com. Everything's at ronanddon.com. And we are here to help elevate your real estate to take every darn dime off the table because for a lot of you it's your piggy bank and it's so important so that's on the sell side what's interesting on the buying side uh we have a client that's going to be be here next week staying at one of my airbnbs and they are looking for a property 1.5 million ish so we're going to be out shopping and then uh ron we're beginning to see and, and and thanks to all of you out there that tell people about us uh because this is a referral business and we're deeply appreciative when you when you refers to somebody so thanks for doing that uh and we have another referral i think that we're working on right now market watch cbs they just did a little study and they asked people they said hey on the buying side because we're starting to get referrals for buyers uh when do buyers feel like it's going to be a good time to jump in and buy again and don't forget as interest rates come down prices go up and even as interest rates were going up, prices were still going up in a lot of neighborhoods, right? And we know that there's been some corrections in some places. On the east side, it hasn't stopped. Uh, it just continues to go up. And a lot of that is because of the beautiful new Microsoft campus over there, which oh puts gosh. a lot of pressure on the east side, right? There's lots and lots of pressure over there. And then we think about the pressure uh, here of what is happening uh, with Amazon on this side of the water, on the Seattle side. So here, here's what people said that were surveyed. They said if interest rates, which are now uh, down back below 7%, they said if interest rates were below 7%, 18 percent of the respondents said, and these are people that are in the home, would be in the market to buy a home, 18% of them said that they would buy a home in the next 12 months, all right? Now, get this, and that's on a 30-year mortgage. Get this. If they felt like interest rates were below 6%, then that number goes up to 40% of people that consider themselves buyers, they would jump in the market. And then if interest rates were below 5%, the majority, 72% of them said that they would jump into the market. Ron, where are the deltas here? Because, again, as I just said, as interest rates go down, prices have a tendency to go up. But here in the specific Northwest, as my son likes to call it, it's, 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 it, it, is, it is just different. And so if you're shopping on the basis of an interest rate here in the Northwest, specifically Seattle, the East side, the bedroom communities, North and South, in my mind, that's a big mistake because what you're waiting, what, 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 what is going to happen is you're looking for home prices to ignite. And this spring they've already ignited. I think, so. I, I think the, the price thing is going to take care of itself. It's the competition that I think people are, are underestimating here that are in that. And I want to, I always give this little caveat when you see a story from market watch or business week or CBS, 
That's talking about a national, that's a national poll. And if you've ever been to Cleveland, Ohio, or if you've been to Oklahoma City, uh, if you've been to Kansas recently, it's very different than living uh, on the East Coast or the West Coast. So uh, our market conditions are very different from that. I I will say this, and, and here's when you asked about the Delta on this. A percentage drop in an interest rate gives a buyer 10% more buying power, roughly. I'm using round numbers here. So let's say you were, you know, approved for a million dollar loan at, at 7%. If the, if the interest rates drop to 6%, you're now approved for a $1.1 million home. So you can get, it opens up new possibilities. So that really came into play when we went from 3% to 8%. That knocked a huge amount of people out of their price range or out of what they believed they could afford or what they wanted to live in. And so, yes, it increases your buying power. It also increases your competition. And so we have to think about the pent-up demand that is in the marketplace right now. And despite what we all read about economies and everything else, uh, I, I still see that people are moving in to, I, I went and had lunch with uh, our buddy Jordan uh, over at the Microsoft campus uh, a couple weeks ago. Incredible facility. The parking garage underneath is insane. It took me like 15 minutes to get out of the parking complex to find him. But that campus is bustling. And it is bustling with people that are under the age of 40 that are making six figures and they need a place to live. Uh, when I was just down, I, I try to go down uh, by the Bezos balls, as I call them, uh, a couple times a week. It's starting to bustle down there again. And I met a friend for happy hour across the street from the, the spheres. It's full. The restaurant is full. Restaurant across the street is full. People are walking around. The banana stand is open. Uh, you can go to Rachel's Ginger Beer, the Sub Pop Store, or the Glassy Baby Shop. And people are are out and about again. Again, most of them under the age of 40 to 45 and making six figures. So the pressure that that puts on housing uh, as interest rates come down is immense. So I agree with you. And, and for whatever reason, people don't, <laughs> they're not responding when we say this because when interest rates were low, uh, we talked about those conditions. And we had some people that were like, hey, you're right. I'm going to listen to what you said. And then when the market changed, then people come out. Ron, what were this? Like, dude, we told you about this for six months. Every podcast, we talked about these historic rates. And you did nothing. And now that it's jumped up, you jump out and you want to jump in the game. It doesn't work that way. You have to jump in when other people are not fighting for the same thing. And so we just closed uh, on a condo here on the top of Queen Anne and uh, last week. And those buyers, is their interest rate the best it's ever been? No. But they got a condo with an incredible access to a rooftop deck that looks over all of downtown Seattle um, for a pretty good price. And we had the the seller had to pay a $30,000 assessment that just came down in that complex. The buyers didn't pay that. The sellers did because the market pressure right now. So let's think about the $30,000 that they paid, didn't have to pay. How much interest is that? A lot. Like that, that would be years of interest between, let's say, you know, 6.8% and 6.25% or even 6%. It would be years of interest. And so like, and what's the cliche I'm thinking for? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, yes, you're paying less interest, 
But if we get down to 5% again, you are going to see these escalation wars that happen and they're already starting to happen. And so you're going to have a lower interest rate, but then you're going to pay above list price $200,000 again and absolutely demolish any interest savings that you're getting. So like do the math. If you want to do the math with me, like email me ron at ronandon.com and we'll go through the scenarios. We'll even bring in Mitch from Mitch.loans if you if you want to formalize a little bit more. We'll go through the math. People are underestimating what these things mean. So a drop in interest rate, is it important? Yes. In our market, it's not the most important thing. Competition is the most important thing. And we'll talk about the house that, that we went pending to in 42 days. Why did that happen? 42 hours. 42 hours. Yeah. Because that buyer understood the market dynamics on that house and they stepped. And so it left a bunch of people outside looking in going, oh, I was going to be interested in that house, but the interest rate was too high. Well, wah, wah, you lost your chance. There's not another one of those houses that's going to come on in that neighborhood for any foreseeable future, as far as I can tell. And so it, it's, it's interesting the way people's minds work and they focus on a thing that is important, but not the most important. And I think that survey really demonstrates that. Again, if you're in Cleveland, wait. Because there's going to be 500 houses available for you to choose from. But if you pull up your, your Zillow app and look on Queen Anne or Ballard or Fremont or even Kent, there's just not a lot of inventory yeah. right and now. And remember, you're, you're, it, it, when, you, when you hear date the rate, right, date the rate, this is when you date the rate, when there's still opportunities in the market. So, And there still are opportunities in the market. Let's talk about that on the other side of this. All right, you guys, back to those guys, Ron and Don, in just a moment. I love those guys. I also love listening to Dave Ramsey, if you've ever listened to this radio show, or Barbara Corcoran, who is on Shark Tank. Both of them heavily invested, millions of dollars, heavily invested in real estate. And they say the reason why they're heavily invested, even over leveraged in real estate, is it? it's because, well, because of the way that real estate has performed for them over the last 10, 20 30 years. What they are saying right now to single family home buyers, go out and buy a home right now. You're not going to find a better time than right now because there's a lot of people out there that are waiting for rates to come down. That means there's people standing on the sidelines and Mitch is here from Mitch.loans. That gives buyers right now an opportunity that they're not going to have and rates come down a little bit. And, and, and buyers, Mitch, flood back into the market, right? That's right. Anytime there's people on the sidelines waiting, that means great things for the future, right? If we see rates drop even a little bit, the number of extra pre-approvals we have in our system, the number of extra buyers we have in our system grows exponentially. And that's going to mean what? It's going to mean home prices jump. And they're going to jump up. And if you buy now, you'll get to be a part of that. So let's say they pick up the phone. Someone calls you, Mitch Not Loans, and they buy a home and they're not happy with the rate. But all of a sudden, a year from now or two years from now or even 
uh, two and a half years from now, rates come down. What do they do? They pick up the phone and call you again. Yeah, they call us again. We refinance into a whole new loan. It comes with just very minor closing costs. And if they're with us, we'll waive them for you. So it's really just a no-brainer. Buy now and refi into a lower rate, and you'll get that same house for the same price, but with a lower perch- yeah. lower payment. Yeah, it's good enough for Dave Ramsey, who I really trust, or Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. Hey, that's good enough for me. All you have to do right now is go to Mitch.Loans.com. And to find that house, come find us. Go to RonaDonSitDown.com, and we will see you in about 30 seconds. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Uh, Here we are, February, end of February 2024. We're talking about some of the opportunities in, in the market. Let me, let me share a couple things, and then we'll share about our home of the week up in Edmonds that we sold in just 42 hours. I actually counted it. It was 41 hours, 32 minutes, 51 seconds. But so, who's counting? Yeah. Uh, house down the street from me that my neighbors just sold. Uh, they came on close to seven. Two-bedroom, and I said, you're not going to sell it for that. You, you have to do the work, and you have to put it in the third bedroom. And the third bedroom was there. And all I had to do was probably spend... $30,000, that might even be a lot to put in this third bedroom. Because, again, it was there. You just had to go and frame, throw up a couple walls, uh, a few light fixtures. Uh, and it didn't even have to have an in-suite bathroom. Just had to have that bedroom. Uh, anyway, this is an older couple. They ended up selling. Uh, and this house just became a hassle to them. I know them well because the house I'm sitting in, I purchased from them. And they said, you know what? We've had enough. Uh, they were on the market for months, uh, and they came on close to one seven. They ended up selling for one point four five. Guess what the new buyer was doing yesterday when I went by to say hello. Guess what they were doing? I would say talking to a contractor about putting a new bedroom in. They were putting the third bedroom in. The third bedroom so was going. If in. it was a three bedroom, would it have gotten one seven? It would. Have, it would have gotten one six ish. Okay, so yeah. they lost for for thirty thousand yeah. dollars. They lost. Yeah. Forfeited. Na- my my neighbor next door, Kevin, who sold last year, one seventy five. He had a bedroom that was missing in that house. He didn't put the bedroom in, and he had a similar reaction to his house. And guess what? My new next door neighbor did immediately when when they before they moved in that house, they went and they put in the bedroom. Right. So bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchens, those are the drivers and people have a certain expectation when they're looking at that price point. Right. And so for these families that went ahead and put in these bedrooms, they immediately, immediately created equity in these homes. Uh, There's another house out here on Queen Anne that I have a buyer that was interested in. And we wrote on this. And it, it and we wrote I think an all cash deal uh, closed in ten days at about one four five, and they weren't interested. And I went by the other day and I looked at the house and it's still sitting there. And the reason it's still sitting there is because someone didn't open up the kitchen and there's no place to go to the bathroom on the first floor, which is pretty common for a lot of these arts and crafts uh, craftsman homes that you buy. A lot of them didn't have even a powder room on the first floor. So you got to go up or you got to go down if the basement's been built out. So I told them at that price point, you guys are just going to sit here. 
you're better taking this home off the market and putting it in a powder room and bringing it back on. And then I wouldn't be standing here in your kitchen, even sharing this information with you. And they didn't do that. So we're in a marketplace right now. That's different than if we go back to when, when we were rolling through COVID. Because when we were rolling through COVID and money was so cheap, people didn't care. And they would line up and they would buy anything for that interest rate. And then putting the work in didn't bother them, right? And houses were just homes were just flying off the shelves. We're in a market now, though, where if, if you want top dollar... You have to do top work, right? That doesn't mean everything in that in that house has to be new, but you, you have to understand the micro market that you're in. And because I live on Queen Anne, I live, work, and play here. This is where my son goes to school. This is where I own lots of real estate. I know this market very well. I know these homes very well and what has to be done. So it's very – those are the opportunities out there for buyers right now. Those are the opportunities. What is going to happen is interest rates come back down – then people aren't going to care and they're going to buy that house down the street without the bedroom. They're just, they're not going to care about walking in and I can't go to the bathroom because they're just going to hire a contractor and they're going to throw that bathroom in. That is just the human condition and the way that people approach this. Right. And it's also very interesting when you tune a house up. So we'll talk a little bit about this house up in Edmonds. I'm not going to give you all the numbers because we haven't closed on it yet. Uh, but we made sure when we brought this house to market, uh, that we hit the neighborhood with both barrels. Uh, we had mailers that went out in the mail, uh, over 140 mailers to immediate neighbors. We had a Friday night uh, gathering that where the home looked just absolutely beautiful. Mitch was there. You were there, uh, Ron. And, uh, Mitch brought food and drink for everyone. The neighbors came, potential buyers came. They spent a lot of time in the home. It was very lovely. And the home up in Edmonds that we had, it's not in the Edmonds Bowl. It's off of Talbot. Uh, it was turnkey. And the people that own that home took incredible care of it. And so we said, let's go ahead and, and, and we're going to put a price on this home where we can escalate a little bit. And, and, and that's what happened for the buyer that walked in that saw that. They saw the value. They saw the hard work that we did. We, we, we made sure that when they walked in that everything was turnkey. The inspection report was on the countertop. And our sellers did such a great, they did such a great job in, in, in helping us prepare to bring this house to market. Uh, we had a plan, and we, and we all stuck to this plan. And one of the things that... Ron warned our seller about is, hey, there might be pressure on this house and we might see pressure like we did during COVID because we're starting to see that again. We might see multiple offers on this house and we might see someone come on day one and throw the checkbook at you. And when they throw the checkbook at you, you have to be ready because sometimes that first buyer is, is, is the best buyer in the, in the marketplace that we're in right now. Yeah. And this is a psychological game because it brings up FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, and it also brings out, it can, and not in this, this instance, but we've seen it bring out some greed in people. Uh, people that we knew very well were like, ooh, I've never seen that side of your personality before. And so why does it do that? Because you don't practice and you don't get a, enough 
um, reps on this? How can you get reps on buying and selling houses? Most people do it maybe one or two times in their life and that's it. Um, it's rare to find the person that buys and sells a lot of houses because it's a big deal. So what we try to do is we try to practice and we try to say, go think about what would happen and what it would take uh, to do X, to do Y and to do Z. Then people, we go through this exercise and then when it really happens, uh, and the pressure is really there and you're really on the clock. Um, it's interesting to see how people respond. But I, I think the biggest thing um, that I try to emphasize a lot is the way in which you frame this up um, to yourself is very important. And just reminds me, we met with another client. They thought they had a piece of property that was worth a certain amount. And the reality is it's worth 50 to 70% less than what they imagine it to be worth. And they're having a hard time reconciling that. They're still making money on the property, but they're not making as much as they thought they would make. And so you can either see that as a negative story and say, oh man, I'm getting ripped off. I thought it was worth this, but I'm only making this. Or you'd see that as a positive story. We're like, hey, I bought something and I've doubled my money or I made money on that. Uh, and it can be a positive story. So whatever story, both of those things can, can, it's the same math, right? It's the same amount of money, but the story we tell ourselves about that money is going to determine whether they walk away satisfied and happy or whether they walk away feeling ripped off and bitter about it. And so that's a big component of, of thinking in my mind of like, okay, this early author could come in. We could imagine a scenario where you got more. We can also imagine a scenario where you're going to get less. But this is something that someone is a real offer. It's a written up on a contract. It's enforceable by law. And so this is the one we have to deal with. And the story you tell yourself around that is very, very important. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk more about this, this offer on Friday's show. The, the big thing was, and, and we had shared this with them, and when the pressure came, they handled it beautifully, if if it's compelling, if they want to pay over what we're asking and then they want to waive a lot of contingencies and the terms are really great, then this is something that we need to pay attention to. We have to pay attention to that because in the days of COVID where you say, we're just going to stand here and wait till the offer review day. We had, we had put so much pressure on these buyers that were walking through the door because they couldn't hang an inspection on us because the inspection was already done. There was no work to do in the home. This thing was teed up. It was teed up as a grand slam, a home run. And for the realtor that walked in, his name is Henry, and Henry knew it because he had been looking for this house for this couple for quite some time. And when he walked in, he's like, he, he knew that this was the house, and he knew that he would lose this house if he didn't come hard uh, on really what was day one and a half. So anyway, that car alarm means that this podcast is over. <laughs> no. Any, any, anyway, we're going to talk more about this deal on our Friday show and, and some of the things that we did to bring this house to market. Uh, and we are uh, just over the moon about having our home of the week uh, sold within a, a day and a half uh, over lots of contingencies waived uh, and just lots of great terms for our sellers. And I would say 
they couldn't be happier. And what's really cool is the people that are buying this house really wanted this house. And I love the fact when they reached out and they said, hey, we'd like to sit down with the sellers and buy some dinner and just we would like to meet them as they're they are handing this home off uh and i've never really seen that before i thought that was a beautiful cool thing so hey you guys don't forget if you need us if you're buying selling investing or you just want to talk real estate reach out to us ronandonsitdown.com we could sit down today we'll have a virtual meeting if you can't do it during the day we can do it in the evening or on the weekends and then we come see you uh and if you're a buyer then we get all your leverage lined up, and we can talk about more about that in our sit-down. So we know the leverage we have uh, so we can throw the checkbook at somebody else. So how about that? All right? So if you need us, run it on sitdown.com. Thanks for hitting subscribe. Thanks for giving us a rating on this podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for giving us a five-star review. And thanks for listening. Thanks for allowing us uh, to be your friends, your broadcasters, and uh, truly your real estate agents. We really appreciate that. And thanks for telling other people about us. And we get to get involved in their real estate journeys, too. And I tell you what, it's not always easy. Uh, we saw some things this week that were hard. They're not easy. But we're here to meet you where you're at in your real estate journey or your loved one or your friend or your next store neighbor we're going to meet them where they're at and then we're going to shoulder it and carry it uh the rest of the way together as a team all right hey uh for ron myself charlie the dog he's sitting on the floor here comes my son he's gonna lock things out you keep your head up and your shoulders back you've been listening to the ron and don show on the ron and don radio network now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time only 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 on the ron and don radio network Thank <laughs> you.